Hi, this is Jen Morris. And Angie Fever Sutton. And you're listening to Episode 6 of Stage 7. Well, in this episode, we wanted to kind of go over the reviewer and how to review a show. It's very important to know what to critique when you're looking at a show, I think. Well, and also in today's day and age of Facebook, Twitter, Yelp, those kind of social networking, reviewing, peer reviewing has become much more okay nowadays. Back when Casey Stage first started 11 years ago, dear sweet crispy walnuts, when Diana Diane Bullen created it, she went to Richard Bussell who said, hey, you need a website. And this was back in the day when... Companies didn't have websites, and he created this great system of doing peer reviews where actors could review other shows, because you and I both know that actors can see shows in a different light than an audience can see it, and they have different input as to what works and what doesn't. And so he created a, they created a system to where you know anybody could rate a, re- rate a review a show. With Casey Stage being monthly, it didn't make sense to have any kind of review system in the magazine itself because right. by the time the review the magazine hit the thing, the show would be over. Right. So it was on the website, and it was also created to where it was they could you could have a pseudonym because since you were an actor, you want, you know a lot there was a lot of worry of well if I review a show negatively. If that person knows I'm the one that reviewed it, if next time I go up for an audition, am I necessarily going to get cast? And I, you know, we we both would like to think that people aren't going to do that, but you know, I both know that that's that's sure. always a possibility. Absolutely. And so, you know, it was really kind of on its own. There wasn't a whole lot of reviewing and on the Casey Stage website for a while there because it uh, it was a new thing. But like I said, now nowadays, you know, everybody is gives their two cents and whatnot. And so the review system, as a result, kind of has gotten a bit of a push lately. Um, It helps that five years now, I think, we've been partnering with the Fringe Festival, actually since their second year, where we coordinate with people that we know and trust to write decent, well-written reviews to get free passes. We do about five or six people that we know that, that get free press passes, go to as many shows as possible, and write the review as quickly as possible. That first year, I did something like 24 shows in three days. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and including my first Eubank Productions, which was the last show, and I think by that point, my my last review was, it was pretty. <laughs> they say after 24, it's like, la, la, la. Yeah, you kind of ran out of things you... you could differentiate so we've been doing that and so every july we kind of get a push on the review system but then also as i've talked about before on this podcast last may a year ago from when we're recording this actually i was in la for the nea fellowship our good friend laura spencer and grace sue from the pitch are going to be this year's fellows from from kansas city Uh, and one st louis so missouri really won out this year (laughs) but it was 11 days of doing workshops and whatnot and every night but one we went to a professional theatrical show and while we didn't have to write a review on every single show we, we had a writing group that the 25 of us were divided up into and three of the shows we did have to write a review and discuss it which was an interesting concept because some of the people like laura spencer were audio things so they had never really wrote a review much in fact one of my fellow fellows amiko who became one of my good friends she was an NPR affiliate, and she decided for one of her reviews, instead of writing it as a review, she wrote it as a editorial style thing in the style of what it would have been like had she produced it as an audio piece. Okay. But when I came back, one of the things I 
got fired up from with regards to the, uh, going to this fellowship was that I was going to start writing reviews more often. Before then, I pretty much wrote reviews just when I went and saw a show and I had really, really strong feelings about it. I sure. really, really liked it or I really, really had something specific I wanted to say. But if I you know, was kind of in the middle of the ground or if I really didn't have much to say about it, I kind of stepped back. And that was one of the things that I was like, you know what, I, if I'm going to grow as an arts journalist myself... I need to push that. You know, those are the hardest ones to write when you're kind of in the middle ground. So ever since I got back, every show that I've seen, except for two or three, I think, I have written a review about. And since January, I think I've up to about 10 or 12 since January alone. I've been at least one show a week, if not two, for most of the year. Yeah, it's. I think, you know, just participating in shows and going to see shows, it feels like you have a new one out every week up on Stage Savvy. But yeah, it's something, one of my goals for 2011 was to, last year I had done 24 shows that I reviewed, and that was, I didn't start reviewing until I came back from L.A. I hadn't seen a single theater show before May, and so that was after May that I did 24 wow. shows. I wanted to at least double that, and I also wanted to expand that into doing productions that I wouldn't normally necessarily review. I wanted to make sure I did at least one opera, which I got a chance with the Daughter of the Regiment, and do at least one ballet, which I've done too. I did Giselle, and I also did Moves. But I, you know, I wanted to do challenge myself as a, as a writer and as a reviewer. I wanted to go to shows that I wouldn't necessarily seek out if I just was doing these as as an audience member. And as I've been progressing as a reviewer, I've been kind of trying to find my voice as a reviewer myself. What is my purpose? And that's one of the things if you're a reviewer that you, you know, how do you make sure your review is heard? You got to make sure your voice is distinctive. Why should people listen to you specifically? And one of the things that I was complimented on in the thing at L.A. was that I did come from a place as someone who has done the show, either as an actor or as a techie. One of the shows we got to see was Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, which is now on Broadway, starring Robin Williams. And that one, we had to write three separate leads. We had to write the lead from, you know, a normal review lead. Then we also had to write the review lead as if from a technical standpoint, reviewing the set or the, that kind of thing. And then the third one had to take it from a political angle. Since it was about the Iraq war, we had to use the lead of bringing it into the politics of the situation. And when we were going around reading each of the reviews, Jeff Weinstein, who was my group's head talked about how he kind of wanted to leave the talking about the set part as the last one because he felt that was his hardest. And I was like, for me, that was the easiest because I could see the set and I could, you know, having been a techie myself, that was my easiest in because I could easily see how the set design was incorporated in what the director was trying to accomplish. Uh, My intro was something along the lines of it was a stark set for a stark play. Because it was a very, very light, you know, very simple set. And this was a play that you, you know, it's about the Iraq War. It wasn't a laugh riot. Yeah. So, you know, try and find out what expertise you bring to it. I'm still kind of getting used to Grace Sue's reviewing style myself. She's only been with the pitch a little bit over a year. Yeah, absolutely. There are different ways to view it. And I think anyone who's in the arts judges what they see a lot harsher than the average audience member does just because... I think there's a greater understanding of what's going on, the difficulty level, as well as it's a constant battle of, well, I would have done it differently. Well, I would have done this differently. 
And so when you have a really great show, it's a lot easier to kind of get absorbed and have that suspension of disbelief. So yeah, definitely. I think everyone has their different style, whether they're coming from the audience perspective, if they can tell someone who has an actor's perspective, um, as well as a directorial perspective, because it definitely comes in different ways. And I think for the, you know, the average person going to go see a show, the main thing to remember is you have to take the entire project as a whole. It, It is performance art. It's not stationary art where you know you see a painting you judge it off of that it's multi-sensory you're you're having the sound involved you're having the lighting involved you're having the the talent with the characters involved there's a lot that's coming through in that performance and so that's one thing that you you have to remember is you can't just judge it off well there's this really great number so you know the whole play is great or there's a really crappy show but you know this part was great great you have to take it the piece as a whole as an entire piece of art, which obviously art is subjective. It's not yeah, <laughs> objective. That, that's the be- most be- the best part, I think, about the Casey Stage Review System. It shows that two different people can go to the same show and come out with completely different opinions mm-hmm. about it. And neither one is wrong and neither one is necessarily right. It, they, they, that's their opinion. But in terms of, yeah, reviewing the whole thing, when I went and saw In the Next Room at the Unicorn, the show that Heidi Van was in that we talked about last month, that was one of the ones where the actors did a fabulous job. The script itself, I felt, was not the best. I don't know how it got nominated for a Pulitzer Prize or a Tony or whatever it was, but I felt it was trying to be too much. It was trying to be a historical as well as a comedy, as well as a message play about how sexual relations has changed, and it just felt like that Sarah Rule was spreading herself too thin, so it's like the play itself, I felt, wasn't the best play, play overall, but I in my review I had to say but keeping all that in mind I thought the actors did a good job I thought Sydney Garrett as the director did a good job with what she had kind of thing and so it was a real that was one of those that I felt was a good challenge for me because you know it wasn't that it was a bad play it just the play itself just kind of left me go huh. <laughs> yeah yeah and I've definitely seen that happen before where it's so pieces that necessarily is kind of lagging in and of itself, but yet it's produced great and the talent's great. And that's one of the most frustrating ways to review it because it's like, well, it would have been better if the dialogue had worked, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I've definitely had that encountered, but uh, on the flip side, there could be shows that you think are going to be cheesy and then they jump out and end up being a lot more in depth or or a lot more intriguing than you anticipate. For example, I went and saw shout the mod musical at, at the barn players and I kind of anticipate it to be typical cheesy 60s show, a good time, but, you know, whatever, and, and maybe kind of Branson-esque. And I was actually pleasantly surprised that they went through a lot of women's issues that occurred in the 60s and the changes that occurred. And even though it was 60s music, they made it very entertaining. The four girls that put it on did a great job. The directing was really good. It wasn't something that was cheesy when it could have been it didn't take itself too seriously on those fun notes so you could relax and enjoy it but there was a lot more drama to it than i originally anticipated and that was a that was a pleasant surprise so you know sometimes you have to take into account those predisposed ideas that you have going in may not necessarily be what's coming out same thing when you go to like a great show a big show that you anticipate with high expectations i think this happens a lot when someone goes to see rent mm-hmm or a similar type show or Les Mis or something like that. And then you go see a show and it's awful. Well, <laughs> I, I'm reminded of my review of Starlight's The Producers last year. I really loved the movie, the musical version of the movie. <laughs> and I had done a, seen a lot of blog posts about it. And, you know, you have different expectations for going to a show at Starlight than you would at 
Okta or Barn Players and whatnot, because there are different budgets. And my title ended up being a muted affair because it felt like it was just they kept holding themselves back. It was the the sound was obviously muted. It was the big showgirl number that he's when he does the I want to be a producer, which is supposed to be, you know, this right. huge number had like maybe six showgirls in it. Oh weird. The Gunshot was obviously recorded, and when he clicks the gun and it was a missing bullet, that was actually louder than the gunshot. And it just, it felt like they, you know, that was one of those places where it's like, they could have done so much more with it that I felt that they, for some reason, it was, like I said, it was muted. It felt like it was, they were toning it down for whatever reason. And you can't tone down Mel Brooks. No. (laughs) I actually saw the producers when the Bell Road Barn players did that uh, in Park. A mm-hmm. couple years ago, and I, you know, they did a really good job of bringing on that big flashy number. I mean, obviously, it's community theater. There's not a giant budget there, and, and so you can't have what you would expect from Starlight. I would expect the the showiness, but they had that fun atmosphere. They had the pizzazz for their budget, and so I thought that that was an entertaining version. So that just goes to show, even if it's the same show, you never know what you're going to get, depending on the director. Well, yeah, and it also goes, when you go to review, keep in mind who's producing it. I mean, my fellow fellows talk about, yes, as much as they don't want to, they do have to keep in mind that, you know, a lot of them don't don't review community theater productions because they feel that that's giving an unfair advantage. And that was one of the things I try and bring to mind because I figure the professional productions, they're already getting Grace Sue and Robert Trussell. So I try and make a point to go to the community theater, mainly as a community theater person myself. And again, one of my challenges for this year, I went and saw the Putnam County Spelling Bee at Okta when I had already seen it at American Heartland, a professional mm-hmm. production done there. And I loved the American Heartland one. I had had heard of the show before, had gotten the soundtrack was, it was, yeah, I was, it was okay. It was interesting, but you know, I wasn't madly in love with the show, but when I went to saw it at the Heartland, I, I thought it was hilarious. And Ken Remmert especially stole the show as the vice principal, because a lot of that delves back into the improv roots of the show. And yeah. he just, he obviously was having way too much fun with the part. And so when I went to see it at Okta, that was a challenge for me because I had never reviewed a show before that I had already reviewed. I'm very conscious to try not to compare versions, whether it's a book to a movie, a movie to a play, that kind of thing, because there are different mediums, and that includes comparing productions. I try desperately. This is their own production and whatnot. And I'd like to think in my review, I try, I did a fairly good job. I only made a few, my, you know, I said, you know, obviously the Heartland has the budget to go above and beyond in terms of the rehearsal time and the, the characters, and so that obviously made a difference. But I really tried to stay back and just reviewed it on its own. And I, I thought they held their own, um, the Octa version. I, I mean, it, yeah, they could have used another couple of weeks of rehearsal, but what community theater production can't. Sure. And I actually think I saw it the weekend after you and some of the things you noted in your review are actually, I, I don't know if they changed or adapted to that, like the sound stuff the second week, or at least the night I went, they didn't intend to have those oh, issues. Cool. Nice to know I had an impact. <laughs> so, I, I mean, it was... It was really interesting because I had read your review prior to going, and so I anticipated those issues going through, and they actually, I guess, impacted that. So it was I actually really enjoyed it. Well, and that's one of the pieces of advice. I had written an article for Casey Stage that I posted on my blog last uh, June 10th, how to write a review online. And this was kind of a goal to get people to use the reviewing system more often, get our subs- print subscribers to aware that they can review shows because that seems to be something that people aren't aware that anybody can review a show. And one of the things I talk about is be specific, you know, with back to finding your own voice. Why did do you like or dislike 
specifically? Was it the acting, the script choice, was it the costumes? What specifically did you like? Like I said, with the American Heartland version, one of the reasons it bowled me over was Ken Remmert's interpretation of the character. He obviously had a lot of energy, had a lot of fun, and so I made sure that that was part of my review. My review of moves at the ballet, the third piece was the Catherine Wheel Suite, which is a Twilight Art production, and one of the things I wrote in my review was that the dancers were obviously having so much fun doing this. You could see the joy on their face as they danced, and that's not something you you see very often because they're, you know, it's very obviously they're trying to concentrate and trying to do a good job, and not that that's a bad thing, but that was one of the reasons I liked it because they're obviously having a good time and that's one of the things that I like about theater is that it's not all deadly serious is that it is something that you can have fun and so you know be specific for your opinion to make a difference it's got to be more than you liked it or you don't like it for people to even care why you say what you say absolutely and I think a big part of that is uh, know the goal behind it too my professor when I was at Southwest Baptist University Dr. Feebay one of the things he told us is theater needs to educate, enlighten, or entertain, or do a mul- you know a multiple of those. Um, you need to be looking for the three E's. And so you need to know what the point is behind a certain show. It's the same thing with the movie. You don't go and see a Jack Black comedy anticipating it to be an Academy Award winner. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. It's you know in, mm-hmm. this, in the same light you can't anticipate one show to be the same dramatic piece that's going to change your life when the intention behind it is just to entertain and be fun and lighthearted and just a, a form of escape in that moment that you, you have to know exactly what that the goal of that particular piece is. I'm not saying lighthearted comedy can't be something that could bring a message. Right, and then all the good comedies, at least in my own opinion, always has that moment of seriousness anyway. Right. And whether or not they play off that moment of seriousness it works. But yeah, in, in terms of the attention, definitely. I mean, I, back to my review of uh, The Pillow Man, it's she and her, definitely not a funny play. Sure. <laughs> definitely a very serious play. And in my review, I talk about it's not a play you enjoy, it's a play you endure. Yeah. And it's one of those I made sure that people, you know, if you hadn't seen it, to go in realizing this is not a play. I compared it to watching Schindler's List. You sure. know, you go to you don't go to Schindler's List expecting to come out laughing Absolutely. hilariously. It's it's you know something that you go in knowing that it's going to be this deep, serious topic, and it worked for them. I mean, that was one of the best shows I've seen so far this year. And but I don't think I would ever want to see it again, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think most serious dramas are that way too, where it's like, all right, I've seen it; it's impacted me, and I never want to see that piece. Right. (laughs) Although I still, I would love to have a local company do. I'd seen a production of of Mice and Men in Mm -hmm. high school. I'd love to see a local production do that again this year because when I had first seen it, I didn't know the ending. I had never read the book yet, and so I didn't know, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it, but I just remember at the end, I would just, I couldn't clap because I was just like, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so it's, you know, definitely know the intention, not only of that specific play, but of the producing company. You know, obviously, Okta has a different mission statement than Starlight, right. than, you know, she and her productions, The Fish Tank, their specific you know, mission statement is to bring new work. So you're not going to see necessarily a Shakespeare production there, you know, unless it's got some seriously new twists. Exactly. You know, uh, Kansas city actors theater, you know, they are dealing with what they've termed new classics and they're going to be doing Harold Pinter and that kind of stuff. You're not going to necessarily see something hot off, you know, the presses at their production. And so it's one of those definitely you want to see that come. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the same, you know, branching off that with the Met, you know, and other theaters where they have some great focus on, on classic theater, on meaty works. And so you need to go in anticipating that. Um, and to appreciate, you know, you can't walk into a show and just disregard it. And, and like you were talking about earlier, you need to know why you do or do not like something. There's a cartoon in one of my old textbooks. I remember it was a little boy looking at a piece of art. And his mom goes, you can't say it sucks, but you can't say it doesn't speak to you. Right. You need to have, you know, kind of a reasoning as to why didn't you like it? A lot of it kind of boils down to did it pertain to the theme or did it pertain to the main element that the message was trying to come across? Because if the story failed to get that message across, well, obviously chances are that was a non-successful show whereas if you are successful in getting the point across in a very poignant way whether it's funny or or a dramatic moment more than likely it's going to be a successful show well and back to the whole know their intentions that's one of the reasons i was well i use the word whelmed i wasn't overwhelmed i wasn't wasn't underwhelmed i was whelmed by the american heartland's production of the 39 steps my title was too professional of a production if you for those of you who aren't familiar with the 39 steps it's the well, kind of retelling of the Alfred Hitchcock movie, The 39 Steps, but done with only four actors and a breakneck speed. And the whole w- reason it's supposed to work is it gives you that community college, community theater, you got the script last week, you have five bucks to put this on, and oh, by the way, you corralled all your friends and you know the three friends that you knew you could trust to be in there. Have that f- f- flying by the seat of your pants feel to it for a lot of the jokes to work and the American Heartland one, it showed that they had plenty of time to rehearse it, plenty of time to go through it. And so as a result, a lot of the jokes kind of fell flat to me because I've been in productions where, you know, the paint was still wet on the stage the day we opened kind of thing that we were up till three o'clock the night before drinking coffee and jolt, trying to get, hang the lights (laughs) kind of thing. And so as a result, that kind of, you know, on the other hand, Trussell and Sue both loved it. And they thought it was the, you know, this funny production that was Laugh Riot. And I was just left, a little, you know, it, was, it wasn't a bad show. It just, it felt sure. like they could have used a little more, they could have been edgier. They could have taken, you know, pushed the boundaries a little bit more for it, to, for those jokes to really work. Sure. Absolutely. That definitely makes sense. And, you know, I think the main thing to remember is art is personal. So obviously every reviewer is going to have a different perspective. Even Angie and myself, we have different perspectives of the same show that we watched on the exact same night sitting by each other. So we're seeing, you know, pretty much the exact same angle, the exact same uh, tech that evening. That And we can still see two totally different productions. And so that's why it's important to have your own perspective when you go out. Angie, any tips for those reviewers who might want to go on to Casey stage? Well, if the review system, keep in mind that it, it is all online. It doesn't see print. So as a result, keep it keep it simple. And that doesn't necessarily mean keep it short, but, you know, don't have your paragraphs more than three or four sentences each. Uh, make sure that your, you know, the overall review doesn't go on for very long, maybe five or six paragraphs total, because obviously internet attention span is much shorter than online. You know, keep it clear. It needs to flow easily from paragraph to paragraph. Read it aloud before posting. Make sure you're not, you know, you don't stumble. You know, talk to your friends to make it review. Um, I already talked about being specific. But, you know, the main rule is, of course, know when to break the rules. You know, it's okay to throw the occasional 10 cent word in if that's what it, you know, to be specific. There are times when you can be so moved that you're speechless. So you, all you have to say is, 
I was speechless, and that that's right. fine for review. The, Richard Bussell has this great story that the best negative review he ever read was something along the lines of, I cannot explain why this is such a bad show, or something, something yeah. that was like one sentence that said so much without okay. saying anything kind of thing. Yeah, every anybody can write a review online. Like, again, you can create a pseudonym. You, my original pseudonym was Theater Diva. I've recently renamed it to Stage Savvy. That's kind of now my theater persona, persona yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. But I still, you know, I pretty much outed myself last year when I came back from L.A. I used to hide behind the pseudonym, and I, that was one of the challenges I decided to take on was to admit that, yes, these were my reviews. Um, I originally signed them, but now I just post a link to the Stage Savvy blog because there I can do neat formatting and use pictures, which the Casey Stage Review System doesn't at the current time, although there are plans with the eventual redesign of the, the, the Casey Stage System to have that be different. Look over the other reviews that are being posted. You know, I used to never read Trussell's reviews or, or the pitches reviews, not because I wasn't interested, but because I wanted to form my own opinion. And I still don't read them before I see the show myself. But now I start reading them and I'm, I'm interested to see that they saw things either differently or when they see things that I saw. I, I can't remember what show it was, but that I read Trussell's review and he picked up on almost the exact same things I did. And I was like, oh, cool. That was neat to see that he was able to see the same things I saw. And so it made it much more interesting that made me feel a little bit more validated, I guess, as a reviewer myself that, okay, I I guess I do know what I'm doing (laughs) kind of thing. So, you know, feel free to read other reviews. And, you know, if if this is something that you're interested in doing, don't hesitate. You know, nowadays, creating a blog is, is as easy as going to WordPress or Blogger and creating an account and doing that. But if it's something that you want to do as something that you want to continue as part of who you are, you know, be committed to it. Like I said, I made a commitment that I would review every show that I had seen within reason. There's been a couple that we've done that that I've gone to that I felt was just not appropriate to write a review. It was for various reasons. And so I kept those to myself. But this year's Fringe Festival, I plan on expanding how many shows I I go see. I want to really focus on shows that don't interest me. Are not you know don't make me right. go ooh I want to see that although I want to make sure there are at least one you know because <laughs> otherwise there's gonna it's gonna feel like work sure. <laughs> kind of thing that's it if you have any questions about how to write a review on the Casey Stage web system or if you have any questions about that definitely feel free to email us or put a comment on the blog I will link to my article as well as a link to all of my reviews that are on the Casey Stage website as well as if you want to see all my prior reviews since I came started the blog you just use the tag review in my the stage savvy blog and go from there anything else that pretty much covers it okay well we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back hi this is jeff church i'm artistic director of the coterie theater and you are listening to stage savvy Thank you for listening to episode six of Stage Savvy, hosted by Jim Morris and Angie Feather Sutton. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'd love to hear your feedback. You can send us comments in several different ways. You can comment on the blog posting for this podcast over at angiefsutton.wordpress.com, which is also where you'll find the new show notes for the podcast, including some links of the things we talked about in this episode. You can also email a Fiedler, spell a f is in food. I-E-D as in dog, L-E-R, at caseystage.com. Or you can also comment um, and be on the podcast, and you can leave us a voicemail at 816-23-STAGE. Please indicate your comment at the podcast, uh, as this is the regular phone number for Casey Stage Magazine. 
We'd also like to thank KKFI FM 90.1 for letting us record the podcast in the lovely studios, as well as Jason Bauer, who wrote the great theme music, a variation of I Got Rhythm. Since this is an audio podcast, we're ending each podcast with a song written or performed by a local musician. And if you're a musician, we'd love to hear uh, what you have and highlight something you've written or performed. And again, just send us a note by email, afeeler at caseystage.com or by calling 816-23-STAGE and mentioning the podcast. Today we'd like to feature Kay Johnston and her song, True Believers. You can listen to Kay's latest recordings and performance calendar list at www.myspace.com forward slash K.R. Johnston. Or for more information about K. Johnston music, visit www.kjohnston.com. That's K-A-Y-E-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N.com. We'll also link those in the show notes as well. Absolutely. And without further ado, True Believers.
Stage Savvy is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike license. For more information, visit creativecommons.org.